I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. I've been getting a lot of messages lately about injuries. Athletes are worried, frustrated, and often not sure how to continue to feel productive when they're sidelined. And the thought of taking weeks, months, or even longer to be fully healed from an injury, it's absolutely daunting. Believe me, I don't just understand all of these feelings and emotions. I've experienced them many times myself. Today, I'm going to share a few of my own injuries with you, what I was faced with, and not just how I got through them, but how I came back often better than I was before the injury. Injuries don't always mean the death of dreams and goals, even though it can seem that way. But don't just take my word for it. We've had many guests on this show that have faced injuries and setbacks as well, and we're very open and honest discussing them during our conversations. We'll talk about several of those athletes today, and I'll make sure we put all of those episodes that we discuss in the show notes. Before we jump into today's episode, though, I want to read you a five-star review we received on Apple iTunes from Blasian.ro. It's titled, Much Needed Perspective. It reads, This is a great platform to have discussions from athletes in different sports sharing their experiences. I'm an Olympic hopeful for the USA Skeleton Team. Growing up watching athletes on TV is this glamorized vision of what athletes are, but now actively competing in one of those sports, I have a whole new appreciation for what it takes to pursue that dream at the games. Thank you so much for that review. I'm so glad to hear that this show is impacting athletes in an encouraging way and providing guidance and resources. If you enjoy the Pursuit of Gold podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and drop us a five-star review. It only takes a minute and it helps us much more than you think. Share your favorite episodes with your friends. Help us get the word out so that we can continue to encourage, inspire, and provide helpful resources for athletes to reach their biggest goals. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. When you're a high-level athlete with big dreams and big goals, injuries are likely to be part of your journey. Whether big or small, injuries in sports, they're common. So we should equip ourselves to handle them well so that we can come out strong on the other side. So I have had my fair share of injuries having been in my sport almost 30 years and having been a gymnast before I started diving into the pool. So I somehow made it through gymnastics with barely any barely any scratches, which is pretty unusual. Um, I guess maybe I wasn't too daring in gymnastics, but in diving, I have definitely had my fair share. And I want to share a few of those with you. Um, what I experienced how I handled it, and how I came out the other side. And we're going to talk today about not just my experiences, but how we can best handle these injuries, how we can equip ourselves for you know, how to treat them, what we can do while we'll, why we're still injured, and what to do once we can return to full-time training. So my first big injury, I mean, I, I broke my toe before my first nationals, like and the whole side of my foot was black and blue. It was lovely and very painful, but didn't really slow me down a whole lot. I think I didn't do well at that nationals just because it was my first nationals, not because I was injured. But a couple of years later, I ended up shattering my right foot about three months before my first shot at the Olympic trials in 2000. We were doing kind of a typical meet warm up. I was doing flips or somersaults onto a mat 
off of a block of wood. And I came out of one somersault just a little too early. And I hit both of the balls of my feet on that wooden block. And Unfortunately, the way I broke it was kind of nasty, and um, the doctor in the emergency room there told me it would hurt more and be more swollen if it was broken, so he just gave me crutches and sent me on my way. Obviously, hindsight, I wish we would have pressed for x-rays anyway, but my coach and I were just hoping that you know it wasn't a big deal. But I was in excruciating pain and I was stuck at this meet for almost a week until I could get home and see my own doctor who x-rayed it and kind of told me what a mess it was. I had completely broken three metatarsals, the middle three metatarsals in my right foot. And in your foot, much like your hand, you have kind of like the knuckles because all three had completely broken off. And the middle one had actually slid underneath my foot. And within just that week had calcified to the two bones it was next to and grew what they called a bone bridge. So in order to fix that, it was going to require rebreaking everything, pinning it all back together, a massive surgery that would have put me way out of Olympic trials because it was only three months away. So we went with option number two, which was to cast it the way it was and hope that it was going to heal well enough to walk on, maybe jump off of. And, you know, that's kind of a hard decision. Um, At that point, though, that was the only option that gave me a shot at the Olympic trial. So that's the one I took. And I figured, well, if surgery is going to be what fixes it, I, I can always do that if this doesn't work. So that was the route we chose to take with that injury. And, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, that first week, I, I still had all those mix of emotions that you get when you feel like your world is caving in on you. I had actually left a college scholarship behind to come home to try to train for the Olympic Games. And, uh, you know, it had been a tough year. And here I am just months before looking like my dreams are sand slipping through my fingers. So I had all those emotions that first week. And it was hard. But I realized that this was the dream I'd had since I was a little eight-year-old gymnast. And I wanted to do that perfect 10 Mary Lou Retton vault I had seen. And I wanted to be on the top of the Olympic podium. And I thought this might be my only shot. And my coach, I mean, he's as crazy as I am. And he he said, okay, we can do this. But we, I have one rule. We're not going to look back and say, what if, and could I have, we are only going to look forward with a new plan. That was his only rule. And we had to get real creative. And he's great at thinking outside the box. Um, you know, Kenny would have me watch all these videos, um, videos of the best divers doing the dives that I was doing, watching myself doing them the best that I had competed them. I kind of edited them together in the order I was going to compete them. And I would put my headphones on and listen to my favorite, you know, inspirational sports songs or whatever, and get pumped up watching it. And then anytime I would hear that music playing, I'd actually see the videos almost on like instant replay in my brain. And when I was supposed to be in the pool training, Kenny would hold my crutches and I would hop on my one good foot all the way up the ladder to the 10 meter and kind of shimmy my way out to the end. And I would go through all the motions or the actions of my dives. And he would coach me from the side of the pool while I was pretending to dive. And we did this for hours a day, every single day when I was supposed to be in their training, I was doing this all day long, every single day. I mean, I couldn't do much else physically. I mean, I did some arm stuff. I did some abs. I did anything else I could physically, but this is where I spent most of my time. And, you know, after a long time, 
<laughs> I kind of started to feel stupid. You know, I'm I'm up here on a 10 meter in a big purple cast in my workout clothes and I'm pretending to dive. Like how is pretending to dive going to get me to the Olympic Games, right? It's It's ridiculous. People in the pool, the swimmers in the pool next to us were making fun of me. Like I just... I felt ridiculous, but um, my team really started to believe in what we were doing because we had been doing it every single day for week after week after week. And they started cheering for me. And I would do like a pretend entry up there on the 10 meter. They start clapping and say, I didn't see a drop of water. I'd give it a 10, you know, and it probably looked crazy to anybody watching us, but it it made me feel like I was part of workout again. It made me feel like maybe this is going to do something. And I have to tell you that Believing in what you're doing, as crazy as it might appear to anyone watching, if you believe in what you're doing, you got to be all in. You got to buy into what you're doing for it to make a difference. And I did, you know, and I I came back. I only had about two and a half weeks in the water out of my cast um, before the Olympic trials. And that's not a long time. It usually takes me a month just to get my dives back off, let alone get them into competition shape. It would take several months. And so two and a half weeks felt like zero time. But because I had been on that 10 meter every single day, going through my dives, thinking about them, watching video, as soon as I got back in the water, I was right there where I left off. I was still in a lot of pain. I had a lot of pain in my foot, especially certain actions. But it was incredible how how quickly I got back into it and was in top form. And I have to tell you, this is the year that I actually ended up not just making the Olympic team, but I won the Olympic Games. And I was one of our better divers then. I think I could have made the Olympic team. I had a really good shot at it if I hadn't broken my foot. But I can almost guarantee you looking back that I would not have stood on top of that podium if I had not broken my foot. And I know that sounds like a really bold thing to say 20-something years later, but... I was not mentally prepared enough until I broke my foot to handle what happened during that Olympic Games and to keep my head on straight and to do what I needed to do and to focus in that way that I needed to focus. It taught me a lot and I would not change that for anything. And it has made a big difference in the years past as I've dealt with things. I had another significant injury after the 2004 Olympic Games. My wrist had been going downhill and The January after that Olympics, I had a surgery on it and I didn't know it at the time, but it was a very botched surgery, Um, messed it up real good and I couldn't bend it anymore. And um, I was just in a lot of pain and I just thought, well, you know, I guess that's what happens after surgery. It's just going to be really sore for a long time. But as we had world championships that summer and I wasn't sure if I was going to keep diving, I really wanted to go out on a good note. I wanted this world championships to be just a great farewell. And so I really desperately wanted to do well, but it was so hard because every time I got back up on the 10 meter, I mean, it took me a while to get back up there, but I could only do maybe one dive up there. Sometimes I could handle three or four, maybe on a great day, I would get up to nine or 10, but I never knew on any given day how many dives I would get. And so every dive might be my last. And I know we always want to focus on quality over quantity. That's always the goal. But when you are put in a position where you are forced of like, this might be the only dive that I get to do today, it has to be right. I have to make the changes. I have to do it correctly because this is my only shot. Let me tell you, you start performing differently. And that summer, 
we went to the world championships and I am, <laughs> I am known as a finals diver, which is great, but I don't normally do very well in the earlier rounds, the preliminary rounds. And my coach usually jokes and he's like, I love that you're a finals diver, but you have to make it to the finals to be a finals diver. <laughs> so I'm notoriously not good in the preliminaries. Like this is not a big secret, but that summer at the world championships, I actually won the preliminaries, which was just crazy to me. And I ended up staying in the lead and I I won the entire thing. And it was such a cool thing for me to look back and realize that I was forced into this place of, I have to do each dive well, because this might be my last. And it made all the difference in the world in my performance that summer. And so again, these are things I took with me as I did decide to keep going on for a few more years. So I did retire after 2008. It was my third Olympic Games. Um, But I, as many of you know, if you've been listening to this for a little while, I have been diving again. I came back a few years ago and have been trying to make my fourth Olympic Games as a now 43-year-old mom of four, um, which is unusual in and of itself. But I also realized in 2018 that I was having all these problems um, holding an entry with my arm and I didn't know what was going on. I felt strong and we realized something was happening in my neck as I got an MRI and um, my vertebrae were pinching on my spinal cord. It was really a bad situation and I had to have an anterior cervical discectomy infusion, also known as ACDF surgery. So they basically took two of the discs out uh, in my neck and fused the the bones together. I have a nice titanium plate and six screws in there now. Thank you to OrthoFix for all their lovely products that are holding me in one piece. But, you know, and that was that was a scary time. And I was told I didn't just need that to come back to diving. I needed that to be a safe and healthy mom and not have a small accident that would cause me to be a quadriplegic or something. So that was a scary time and a scary recovery. And I knew this isn't a surgery I wanted to have again. So I took my time I took pretty much all of 2019 to recover from that. That's probably the longest term recovery I've ever had to have. But um, I wanted to be smart. I wanted to be intelligent. I, you know, being a mom, first and foremost, is the most important thing. And I didn't want to sacrifice my health for diving. You know, my I know what my priorities are, um, but I also wanted to do this thing. So I tried to return smart, but I knew I was going to have a lot of downtime. I was in a neck brace for six weeks, um, you know, and I couldn't even get back in the water for about three months. And so I spent a lot of that time going through all of the mental lessons that I had learned. I watched a lot of video. I started dissecting the things that I had learned from my career and remembering it. I put it into a course. You know, I've I've taught a lot of people about it. I've been talking about it quite a bit. And every time I'm teaching others and I'm explaining it and I'm sharing these stories, it's reinforcing to me what I've learned and what I've done with that and how much it has benefited me and how important our mind is and our mindset is and our perspective with how we're looking at things. And it took me a long time to work my way back up to 10 meter, almost a full year. And, you know, I got back into competition early 2020. Then we've had the whole pandemic to deal with. But this time that I've been forced to recover and then, you know, we had the postponement of the Olympic Games, took us a whole other year. 
I was very set and I know how to shape my mindset. I know how to look at this so that I don't just get swallowed up by all the negativity or the fear or the anxiety or the worry. And I know I'm happy to report like just a couple months out of trials now, I feel really, really good and confident going into it. And I think it's because I set my mind right at the beginning. And it's not to say I didn't have moments of doubt or I didn't have moments of frustration. I mean, that always comes, you know, just like even when you're totally motivated and passionate about something, you're going to have those days that it just sucks to get out of bed. It's just hard and you don't want to do it. Like there are those days, no matter how great and perfect your mindset is. But when you can be intentional about setting your mindset right from the start, you can handle this journey, not just handle this journey, but you can come out the backside of whatever injury or situation you're dealing with. You can come out the other side even stronger. So when we get injured, one of the things that I feel like those injuries expose or reveal is how we're really feeling about our sport in that moment. And it's okay to explore how you feel and let yourself feel those feelings, but don't run away from them. Work through them. You're going to have fear. You may have relief. You may have anxiety. You may have frustration. All of those are normal, totally normal. But you have an opportunity while you're sidelined, especially if you're sidelined, to have a safe place to sit there and look at those feelings and figure out what's going on. I mean, sometimes people think their injury is so bad it's career ending and it's not, but they're ready to be done with their sport and they're feeling this like relief of like, oh, this is my way out. You know, if your goals have changed and you don't want to be in your sport anymore, you don't always have to use the injury as an excuse. This just might be a good opportunity for you to reevaluate and say, hey, am I ready to move on? Do I want to work through this? Because it's going to be hard, you know, but you're, you're going to have this moment to see if that passion's really there. And don't analyze that in the first 24 hours of an injury. Give yourself a few days, you know, maybe a few weeks to kind of see how you're feeling. But this is a great opportunity to kind of take a look at that. I know one of the things that I felt when I broke my foot before the trials was I felt this weird relief And that made me really upset because I had this moment of, well, if I don't make the Olympic team, I have an excuse now. Like people can't blame me for not being a good athlete because I didn't make it because I broke my foot. And I was so mad at myself for having those feelings. But y'all, again, these feelings, they're just feelings. They're things that come in. It's how you feel in the moment and it's okay to feel them. But then reevaluate and say, is that really how I actually feel? Or is this just a momentary because of my injury It's just floating into my head and it's just, you know, a little frustration feeling because that's what mine was. And I have to tell you, something kind of cool happened when I broke my foot. It was like I had been so focused on my goal of making the Olympics. You know, I had left my college scholarship. I was at home. I was living alone. Like all I was, I was eating, sleeping, living, breathing, diving. Like that's all I was doing. And I had focused, it was like when you stare at a spot in the wall and you know exactly what you're looking at and you can see it with laser light focus. But when you stare at it for so long, it starts to get blurry and you still know what you're looking at, but you can't really see it very clearly anymore. And that's how the Olympics had kind of become for me. It was this blurry goal that I knew I was aiming for and I was throwing myself into, but I really couldn't see it clearly. And I was kind of getting dulled to the fact of it. And when I broke my foot... You know, it took me a good week to kind of work through the emotions. But at that point, it was almost like I was able to close my eyes and shake my head and see it again, crystal 
clear. And I was like, that is what I want. So sometimes when you allow yourself to feel those emotions and get through them, instead of pretending to block, trying to block them out and pretending they don't exist, when you allow yourself to feel them and process them, you can realize whether they're real feelings or not, whether this is really how I'm changing and I'm, I'm feeling about my sport or if it's just a fleeting feeling. And that's very much how my broken foot was. You know, there's sometimes there's a lot of fear with injuries. You know, you you have this fear of like, okay, is my opportunity over? Is this it? You know, and, and maybe it's because like me, it was so close to trials. It was so close to the big important event that you have been working so hard for. And that is just agonizing and it's terrifying. You're like, I don't know if I can get there. I don't know if I can make it. And that's, that's scary. And it's okay to have those fears too. And something we'll talk about a little bit is maybe how to like redefine your goals. Like you don't necessarily have to change your goal, but you may change some goals, some smaller goals on your way there to help keep you focused on the right path. It may just be a little bit different route to get to that same end point. So fear is okay. Fear is normal. Having anxiety and especially frustration because you can't train like you can normally train. It is totally okay to feel frustrated. And I have to tell you, we have had a lot of people on the pursuit of gold that have dealt with injuries, um, big and small. You know, we have had recently, actually, in episode number 38, we had Robert Paler on here, and he was a rugby player for Cal Berkeley. He was in the national championship game when his neck snapped, and he became a quadriplegic. In that moment, everything was good and right in his world. Everything was going amazing. And in that moment, his life changed. His mindset and the way that that moment changed him It's amazing. And he says today that he would not go back and change that moment because of what it has done for him and given him this new purpose and this new new goal in his life. Um, His story is actually incredible. So you go back to episode number 38. It gives you a really good perspective on where you actually are compared to what he's going through. And he's so encouraging, y'all. We have a few Paralympians that we have had on this show as well. We had Amy Dixon, who lost most of her sight and is training to become a Paralympian. We had Brad Snyder, who was a Naval EOD officer, and he lost his sight and became a Paralympic champion in swimming. And we had Alyssa Seely, who had a spinal surgery and a leg amputation. She was running a 5K a few months after her leg amputation, y'all, she has been through the gambit and she has one of the best perspectives on coming back and her outlook on life and training and moving forward. You cannot slow that girl down. We, we've had a number of people on too. We had um, Chanel Price on not too long ago, episode number 37. And I'll make sure to link to all of these episodes in the show notes um, so that you can go back to anyone that I'm talking about that you're interested in. We had Chanel Price on recently and she has struggled with injuries for years to the point where she's like, God, is this really what you want me to keep doing? But he made her path clear and she is still going strong for Tokyo this year. And she's super encouraging. Abby D'Agostino Cooper, she had an injury in the middle of the Rio Olympic Games. But that injury turned into one of the most beautiful moments of that Olympic Games. So y'all, not every injury is a devastating loss. Sometimes they are. And we have to grieve the loss of whether it was the dream or um, the goal that we had. It's okay to grieve that loss. But sometimes these injuries turn into something even more beautiful. And like Shantae Lowe told us about in episode 18, 
she had breast cancer and she has come back from this after chemo and everything, trying to make, I believe, her fifth Olympic Games. And she is looking strong right now. And this woman, she has an entirely new purpose because of what she went through. So these injuries, they can break you if you let them or they are something that can turn you into an entirely new athlete with a new purpose. So let's talk about ways that we can actually deal with our injuries when we get them. If <laughs> y'all, I, I encourage you to even check out the small injuries because I am guilty of not getting things checked out when they seem small and unimportant and then weeks go by and it gets worse and I've done more damage. And so I encourage you to, if you have an injury and it's not better in you know a day or two, go get it checked out. It's definitely always worth having peace of mind, knowing exactly what you're dealing with and how to deal with it appropriately so that you can be healthy long-term. I know sometimes we get so sidetracked with our short-term immediate goal of what we want to do in our competitions, but your health long-term is far more important than what happens tomorrow. Just remember that. So when you're dealing with this, get it checked out and it's okay to get a second opinion. If you have a doctor who is not answering your questions or being short with you or, you know, and I have to tell you, younger athletes if your doctor is not willing to talk to you and they're talking about you in the third person, they're only talking to your parent, find a doctor who has better bedside manner and will treat you like a human because athletes, high-performing athletes, are understand exactly what's going on and they need to know. So parents, if you're listening, your athlete needs to know what they're dealing with because it will help them get through this better and know exactly what they can and can't do to heal and move past this. So make sure you are getting opinions from doctors that you trust that are answering your questions and that will talk straight to you. And here's here's another one is I know it's hard, especially if you have meets coming up right after an injury, but try not to rush back, especially if it's a really bad injury. Please take your time. If if physical therapy has been prescribed to you, do it. Physical therapy is huge. I mean, I go to physical therapy, y'all, every single week. And even when I don't have an injury, I do it just to keep my body in check and to make sure that I am staying recovered and healthy and, and I'm I'm getting back out there all the time. Take your physical therapy seriously. Don't rush it. Your muscles and tendons and everything, they take time to heal and readjust and kind of get back to, you know, pre-injury shape. So it's okay to take your time because we, we had this too, is my husband had an ACL surgery. So he tore his ACL tendon in his knee and had to have that um, replaced. And what we were told by the doctor there was, you feel great after three months, but after three months is the weakest point in your surgery because there's not, I don't think the blood is flowing through the tendon yet. Like it's attached securely, but the blood isn't in it yet thoroughly. So it's not strong. And so at three months, a lot of soccer players, basketball players that get these ACL injuries, they feel great at three months. They go right back out there and guess what? They snap it again and they have to have the surgery all over again. So it's not actually healed until six months. So understand your injury and understand what the recovery looks like so that you can be wise about how you recover. Because this is really, really important. If you want to get back out into your sport, you need to recover properly. So be smart. When I when I went through my neck injury, again, I didn't want to go through that again. I couldn't go through that again. So I took my time. I was smart. I didn't know anybody else who's ever gotten back up on a platform after the neck surgery that I've had. So I did not know what I was in for. I didn't know 
how much it was going to hurt. I didn't know if I would be strong. And let me tell you, we had some scary moments. The first time my neck jerked to the side off of a 10 meter dive, I was freaking out a little bit, but I was totally fine. So it's okay to take your time and make sure that you are healthy. But there comes a point too, where you need to know that, okay, it's been enough time. My doctor says I'm good. I can push this. So there's a balance. And again, that's talking to your physical therapist. That's talking to your doctor. That's understanding, okay, it may still be a little sore, but now it's okay to keep going. So you've got to know the difference. We, we have to be very intelligent as athletes in these choices that we're making. Don't just rush back in because you want to get in there and then you're going to re-hurt yourself. So be smart. Know when to go slow. Know when to push forward. And really communication is, is key with, with those medical professionals. So the next question is, what can you still do while you're injured? Because that is probably the most aggravating part for athletes who are sidelined is you just feel like I'm going to sit here for week after week after week and do nothing and get terrible. And it's going to take me forever to come back. And that is the most agonizing thing I think for an athlete to experience is just watching people do what they want to be doing and they can't do it. But there is so much that you can do while you're sidelined. You know, first of all, take your hydration and your nutrition seriously, especially for younger athletes that don't know much about that. You think you're invincible. You're not. And this is a really good time for you to make sure you are drinking plenty of water every day. I have to carry, I have a 32 ounce bottle that I just keep refilling and I carry it with me all day long. So I sip on it all day. So I make sure I'm getting plenty of water every single day you know, take your nutrition seriously. That is one thing that can actually help you recover too. So so can the water. So you're properly hydrating and you're eating good, healthy foods with fruits and vegetables, vitamins in there, packed in there, good proteins. That is going to help your muscles and tendons and everything repair your bones, all of it. Nutrition is a huge aid. So you need to take that seriously. These are things that you can focus on at this time. If you don't know much about it, great time to learn. We had... Um, in episode number seven of The Pursuit of Gold, Susie Parker Simmons was on. She's a sports dietitian and physiologist, and she talks all about extending your athletic career with proper nutrition. So go check that episode out. This is a great time for you to learn if you're dealing with an injury. Learn how to take care of yourself there. Make sure you are getting plenty of sleep. Again, our bodies recover while we're sleeping. And this one's a struggle for me. I have four kids and I have never been a great sleeper. So this one's really something I'm still working on, even though I'm not injured, but that's something that you need to take seriously when you're injured. Don't, you don't have anything to be up for the next day. So you think you can stay up till three o'clock in the morning playing video games every night. That's not taking care of your body. You still need to sleep. You still need to recover and make sure that your body can repair itself. So another thing that you can do, you know, I talked about um, when I had my broken foot and my neck surgery that I did a lot of video study. So this is a great opportunity to watch videos of both you performing and the people who you want to perform like. I love to compare myself. We have programs like Coach's Eye, Dartfish, things like that, where you can put yourself next to somebody who you want to emulate their actions. And I think that's a great, great time to study that, to figure it out. You can get a coach to help you, but you can also study this on your own. You can learn these things on your own just by comparing and contrasting and seeing, oh, this is, this is where I'm not kind of getting what they're doing. And so it's a great opportunity for you to learn that way. Um, visualization. Okay, y'all, visualization is so huge. I told you how I went up on the 10 meter and I went through all my dives. Um, I would also sit on the pool deck and stare up at the tower and imagine myself doing the dives. And the first time I did that, it was really stinking hard. I could do it internally, like in first person, seeing what I would see really well because I knew what I would see. But watching myself from third person 
like I was watching a video was really, really hard for me. I had to slow it down in my brain. And sometimes I had to go frame by frame because I couldn't make myself do the right actions. It takes practice. And some people that are just starting visualizing are like, oh, 10 minutes and I'm done. And I've got it down. It's no problem. I'm like, you didn't do it right. (laughs) I know you didn't do it right because it's hard. It's just like physical training. When you try to train your mind, it takes time to do it right. And what better time than if you can't be actively engaged in your sport, you have this precious time to learn how to do this. And if you take a little bit of time to figure out how to visualize you'll be able to do it faster and because you're going to get good at it. You know, it just takes a little time at the beginning to figure it out. And once you get good at it and you're back in the game, oh my goodness, it comes so fast. It's right there. And it's going to be this huge asset to you in the long run. And you don't have to just visualize yourself doing your sport. Visualize yourself doing weights. There was this study that I read about where they had a control group lift weights for, I don't remember what the time period was. And then they had a group that was not lifting weights, but they were visualizing themselves lifting the weights for the same period of time. And the group that actually lifted weights had maybe like, I think it was a 30% increase in strength in that time. And the group that only visualized still had a 13% increase in strength. They didn't touch a weight, y'all, but they visualized themselves doing it and they still increased in strength. So just think about when you're actually back in there lifting weights and visualizing things like that, how much farther ahead can you get? And if you're, why you can't lift weights or you can't do those exercises, but you're visualizing it, you are still actually making your mind move your muscles and interact with your muscles and you will still have strength in there. It's amazing. Like the studies are amazing, you guys. The power of your mind is huge. And we we talked to Apollo Ono in episode 16 and he talked about visualizing during his recovery. Like he would visualize in PT sessions, like all his things healing and stuff like that. I never thought about that side of it before. So I've been trying to do that when I'm in physical therapy and I'm getting cupped or I'm getting needled or whatever I'm having done. Like I think about like my body repairing itself. And I I visualize that, you know, because it well, it certainly can't hurt. I'm spending time doing it anyway. I may as well visualize it because the mind is powerful. You need to learn how to use it. And while you can't do maybe what you want to do, there are other body parts you can work out. When I broke my foot, I still did a lot of core training. I still did some arm strength training. I could still do some Pilates type stuff. With my neck, I felt a lot more sideline, but y'all, I could still go for walks with weights on my ankles. I could do lunges. I could do squats. I found things I could do. I, I got to a point where I could do hanging abs from the rack. I couldn't do them on the ground yet, but I could start to do plank holds. I could hang and do abs. So you can find ways around it and still work other body parts as well. So don't just give up and do nothing because one part of your body is injured. Mindfulness is another great thing that you can do while you're injured. Um, If you're not familiar with mindfulness, Dr. Ben Holtberg talks about it in episode 27 with us. And it's really the practice of staying in the moment of learning how to be very, very present and it's not always an easy or natural thing for us to do. And he, if you are struggling with that or you don't know how to do that, go back to episode number 27 and he actually takes us through a mindfulness exercise so that you can start to learn how to do that. And that really also helps with your visualization and other things if you can learn how to be mindful. So I'd encourage you to work on that as well. You know, another thing, if you're sidelined and you have this extra time, it is the perfect time to listen to encouraging and equipping podcasts just like The Pursuit of Gold. So all of these people I have been talking to you about, we will link to them in the show notes. And I want to make sure you are going back. If you're dealing with an injury, 
go back and listen to these people. They are the best of the best in their sports and they have been through so much and they are giving you, they are being honest and vulnerable and they are giving you so many resources and tools and inspiration to keep you moving forward. Something that I think was really beneficial um, that my coach sometimes has us do if we are kind of sidelined from being in the pool is he'll have us coach with him. He'll have us take a couple of the younger kids or something and we have to coach them. And the really cool thing about that is you start to learn the sport better because you have to point out the things that maybe maybe you're dealing with or you have to figure out what this person isn't doing right in order to help them get better. And it, it helps you learn it. It helps reinforce what you know. And it, it gives you basically a deeper understanding and confidence in your sport and your ability in the sport. So don't underestimate the power of coaching, even if it's some younger kids that are around you, it can be really, really beneficial. And this is also a great time to work on your goals. Like we talked about earlier, injuries can be really discouraging on a route to a big goal or a big competition that is right around the corner. So not always, I mean, sometimes those injuries, it may take you out of a competition that you've been looking forward to. And that is a total bummer. But it doesn't always have to be the end of the road. You know, this can be a great time to say, okay, well, maybe the next meet or the next big competition, the next nationals, whatever it is, isn't for a year. But what are some goals I can make on the way to that that are going to get me to that goal that are going to keep me in line to make it to that final destination? And if you're injured closer to a goal, but you still have time, you know, your route may not look the same. Your your destination is the same. You want to keep that goal, but you're injured. So it's going to look different. So what are the little goals that you can make for this interim time that are going to keep you on track? You know, is it making sure you're doing visualization every day? Is it making sure you're studying video? Is it, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm out of my boot by this date, you know, and then I can, you know, start slowly, like make these baby steps for yourself, these little goals Because when we're injured and we're frustrated, it's so easy to get complacent or to get down on yourself. And if you have even little goals that you can meet every couple of days or once a week or something, it encourages you that, hey, I am reaching this goal. I'm moving forward. I am still on my way to this big goal that I have. I I might be taking a different route, but I'm not totally out. So it's a great time to work on kind of restructuring your goals and what that looks like. and And it'll keep encouraging and motivating you on the way. And to remember, when you do get to return to full-time training again, don't forget to take the lessons that you learned with you. A lot of times we get injured, we bounce back, we're back in the pool, and then we just forget all the stuff we just went through. And it's like, what's the point? You go through that. It's a great opportunity to learn a lesson that's going to make you better in the long run. You know, see if you can incorporate some of the, the elements that you learned during recovery. Like what helped you? Did Did changing your nutrition help you feel better? Did it help you recover faster? I mean, just think if it helped you recover faster, how much better will it make you at your sport if you're consistent with it? You know, if um, you got really good at mindfulness during your injury, don't just drop that because you're back training again. Take mindfulness into your everyday practice. Learn how to stay fully present in the moment because that's going to help you in those big, important competitions when you need to not be freaking out and you need to be fully present and aware of what you're doing. So you know, whatever may have changed or whatever you added that benefited you, it can continue to benefit you, but you have to be very intentional to add that back into your routine. So having said all of that, what I really want you to take away from this chat is that injuries as devastating and painful and frustrating as they can be, 
These injuries can also be the very thing that will equip you to handle something greater that is coming down the road. It all truly comes down to how you choose to look at it. Are you going to be a victim and let the injury be your source of anger and bitterness for years and years to come? Or are you going to choose to find a way through it and come out the other side better than you were before? The choice is really yours here. So choose wisely, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guests. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.